thank you to our worship team and, and what a beautiful presence of the Lord we feel here in this place. Amen. I want to turn your attention to the book of James. We're going to conclude our series on the seven pillars of wisdom. And, uh, and I, want to, I want to turn your attention to James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above Everybody say, is first pure. Say that again. Is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And I'm going to read verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Hallelujah. And so we want to continue this lesson tonight. We're going to finalize it. Uh, and I want, to, I want to point out that these seven pillars in James 3.17, pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, these seven fruits, uh, seven uh, pillars rather, in James 3.17, are foretold in Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9, the scripture teaches us that wisdom hath hewn out her seven pillars. Everybody say hewn out. It's important for us to know that verse 1 of Proverbs 9, wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. It's important for us to know that wisdom is not a state of mind. Wisdom is a person. The Bible says Christ is made unto us wisdom. So wisdom comes to us in two forms. First, wisdom comes to us as a person, as Jesus Christ. When you look upon Jesus Christ, you are looking at wisdom. You're not just looking at wisdom, you're looking at peace, love, joy, you're looking at goodness, you're looking at gentleness, you're looking at the fulfillment of the law. When you look at Jesus Christ, you are looking at all of those positive qualities and traits and attributes that the Bible tells us are to be imparted unto us. And so when we look upon Jesus, we see wisdom personified, wisdom in person form. That's how wisdom first comes to us. When we develop relationship with Jesus, the way he desires to have relationship with us, when we understand Jesus and receive him as we are to receive him, wisdom then comes to us in its next form, which is it becomes our way of living. It becomes our life to be a life of wisdom. And so our life becomes wisdom, not because we become wise in and of ourselves, or not because we find wisdom in some other 
place or source. But wisdom comes to us through Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. It comes to us in an understanding of Jesus Christ. This is why before wisdom, true wisdom can be anything else, it has to be pure. It has to be purely Jesus. And once it's purely Jesus, then and only then can it be peaceable and then gentle and then full of mercy and good fruits and then easy to be entreated and then without partiality. And then today we're talking about without hypocrisy. And once we arrive at that place, ladies and gentlemen, of being without hypocrisy, genuinely, truly, sincerely, and purely without hypocrisy and bring glory to God, then I I want you to know that you have, have become like Christ. It doth not yet appear, the Bible says, what we shall be. But when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him. As he is. It is when you see him as he is that you become like Christ. So now we understand that that in its purest form means when we see him in glory. When we see him in glory. See, Moses could not look upon the sheer glory of God. It was too much for his carnal man and carnal mind. He could not. God said It will consume you. But Moses said, surely there must be a way that you can show me thy glory. And the Lord said, there is a place where you can hide here in the cleft of the rock. And and from this vantage point, you can see the glory of the Lord. And, And God put his hand over the face of Moses and caused himself to pass before him. And then when he was completely passed before him, and only the hinder parts of his glory were to be seen, he lifted his hand, and Moses basically saw the afterglow of God, and it was enough to light him up to where they had to put a veil on his face because people could not look upon his face. He was illuminated by having seen the hinder parts of the glory of the Lord. So, so, so when the Bible says we shall see him as he is, it's talking about when this corruptible body has been changed to incorruption. This mortal body has been changed to immortality and now I am in a position that I can see him as he is. Oh, happy day. I said, oh, happy day. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace. So it's talking about when I behold him as he is, I shall be like him. Here on this side of understanding, on this side of wisdom, on this side of glory, then I'm continually growing in my grace or in the grace And knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I'm I'm continually growing in revelation. And the more that I grow in revelation and understanding, the more like him I am becoming. So, So that's why we don't begrudge the trial of life. Because each trial that comes to us teaches us more about God. 
This is why we don't begrudge the difficulties in our relationships. Because when those difficulties emerge and we have to deal with them, then we, we, we become more knowledgeable of the Lord Jesus Christ. And slowly but surely, we're, we're becoming more like him. How many, how many can testify to the fact that before you went, what, went through what you went through, you were more arrogant than you are now? Am I the only one? Because I tell you, I've raised both hands and both feet if I could to let you know. I am a witness. I am a testimony of the fact that before God got a hold of me by the lapels and said and, and shook me out of some of my arrogance and ignorance, I, I, I don't want to ever be who I used to be. But I thank God that he's taught me and he's led me. And, I'm, and I've got a long way to go to be like my Lord. But I thank God with every test and every trial, I'm inching closer and closer to being like Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me just real quick throw something out there because we're talking about without hypocrisy and that's what wisdom will do. Wisdom will take you through a journey that will develop. It'll start with this purity of understanding who Jesus is, who, who God is. And, and, and then with each trial of life, you will become more purified by greater understanding of that. And it will develop in you a peaceableness. It will develop in you gentleness and mercy and good fruits and, and no partiality and easy to be entreated. And ultimately, without hypocrisy. And so I want, I want to talk to you about what that lack of hypocrisy means and and we talk a lot about being transparent. And, you know, we, we say it's good to be transparent. And real quick, I just want to throw this out there. Sometimes we glorify people who are brazen with their lifestyle that is ungodly. And we commend them by saying, well, at least they're not a hypocrite. Well, that may be. I can, I can, I can say that. I, I, I'm not the judge of their heart. So I can't say for sure that they are or are not a hypocrite, but I, I can say uh, that, that perhaps they're not being hypocritical. This is who they are. This is who they say they are, and you can take it or leave it, like it or love it, whatever, but at least they're not being a hypocrite. But, but there's not glory in simply not being a hypocrite because you cannot be a hypocrite and still be a fornicator. You can not be a hypocrite and still be an adulterer. You can not be a hypocrite and still be a murderer. You can not be a hypocrite and still be a liar. You can not be a hypocrite and still be, and still be a wicked, evil, ungodly, unclean. So, so the glory is not simply in not being a hypocrite. The glory is in being like Jesus. And you can't be like Jesus and be a hypocrite. And somebody said, I don't want to go to church because there are hypocrites in the church. And they're right. There are hypocrites in the church. And I, I'm sad to say, and, and, and God help me, but and help me never to be the person they're talking about. Help me never to be that person who has hate in his heart. God help me never to be that person who, who treats people with partiality. Or is not easy to be entreated. Or is not full of mercy and good fruits. Lord, help me not to be the reason somebody won't come to the house of God. Help me not to fit that stereotype of, of there's hypocrites in the church. But the reality is, you know, it's a bad excuse because there are hypocrites everywhere. And if you, if you didn't go 
anywhere where hypocrites are, you wouldn't go to the grocery store, you wouldn't go to the gas station, you wouldn't go, I mean, you simply, you wouldn't go to work, you wouldn't go to the family reunion, you wouldn't go downstairs for breakfast for crying out loud. There are hypocrites everywhere. But, but God help you and I not to be a hypocrite. Hypocrisy flies in the face it flies in the face of all that God is. God is pure. God is, he is, he is transparent. Now, I want you to understand that transparency is something we need in our life. But, but, but it's, 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 it's something that, that we do because we want to show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. So the transparency that we're seeking after is not one that says, hey, this is me. Take it or leave it. Me and all of my and all of my failings and in all of my sins and, and I don't I, this is who I am and this is what I like and no 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 the, no the transparency we seek after is Lord I am a sinner not not I am a sinner thank you very much no I am a sinner save me save me from myself save me from save me from my self-destructive habits save me from my from the way that my sinful ways hurt my family save me from the way my sinful thoughts and and actions hurt people around me and 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 create condemnation within me that's the transparency we're seeking after a ready admission that without god we are doomed but, but also a ready confession that with God we are and can be saved from the sinful person that we are. Oh, hallelujah. I want to remind you that His grace is sufficient for you. I want to remind you that the blood of Jesus can wash you whiter than snow. I want, I want to remind you of that. It doesn't matter how indelible the sin stain, that the blood of Jesus can wash over that sin stain and deliver you from every sinful habit, sinful past, Whatever you got on your record, the blood of Jesus can wash it clean out of your life. Oh, hallelujah. Whatever condemnation stalks you and keeps you awake at night, the blood of Jesus can expunge that from your mind and deliver you from a, a devil's hell. Certainly can. And, and that's, that's, that's what we're looking for. Lord, make me clean, oh God. Make me clean. And so... So we want to be transparent. One of the things that I think is amazing about transparency is that everything in heaven is transparent. Everything. We talk about streets of gold. It's not the same kind of gold that we have. We look at earthly gold. There's gold in them our hills, you know. And we're talking about the little yellow shiny stuff that glints. On the ground, and, and, and you don't know if it's fool's gold or real gold. But, but, but that's earthly gold. Heavenly gold is without taint of any sort. So the Bible says that the streets are paved with gold, but, but that they are clear like glass. That the, that the river, the water of life, is, is clear as crystal transparent like glass that's it says that about the walls about the gates about the streets about the water everything in heaven is transparent it's translucent it you it's there but you can see right through it now I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you why that is it's because the lamb is the temple of that city and the lamb is the light of that city and everywhere you look you're going to see the lamb of God 
If you're looking at a wall, you're going to look through the wall and see the lamb. If you're looking at a gate, you're going to look through the gate and see the lamb. If you're looking through the street, you're going to look through the street and see the lamb. And when Job said, he hath tried me, and I shall come forth as gold tried in the fire, what he's saying is, with every trial of faith that I go through, he is stripping some more of that worldly taint off of me until I will lose however this world has covered me, and I will become transparent. I will become clear as crystal to where right now you look at me and you see, I'm sorry, but you see Joel. But there's coming a day when you will look at me and I will have been so tried in the fire that you won't see Joel. You'll see Jesus. I'll be without hypocrisy. I will be so thoroughly furnished with wisdom. I will be so thoroughly covered with wisdom will have hewn out her seven pillars in my life and builded me up a spiritual house. And I become perfected and you become perfected by the wisdom of God. Oh, hallelujah. It is the wisdom of God that perfects us. It was the wisdom of God that took Jesus to the cross so he could perfect you. This is the, it is the wisdom of God that caused him to take stripes upon his back so he could perfect us and build us up a spiritual house until ultimately it brings us to a place of lacking all hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is an evil thing. And John the Baptist was sent as the forerunner to Jesus the Bible says to prepare the way of the Lord. It was his job to kind of bush hog everything and let Jesus come through on a clean path. And you know what he did? He went after the hypocrites. He went after sin and he preached repent, 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 repent. What's he doing? He's weed whacking. He's got like a machete and he's walking through this jungle. Repent, repent. This jungle of sin and idolatry. This jungle of condemnation and repent, repent. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. The Lord is laying the axe at the root of the tree. And, 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 and God was going to come and deliver people from their sins. You shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And, and John the Baptist's ministry was to confront sin. And there were those who came and watched from a distance but wouldn't be baptized unto repentance and criticized what he was doing. And they stood on the banks of the Jordan and, and criticized what John the Baptist was doing. And John the Baptist called them out. Hypocrites! That's who you are. That's how Jesus talked to them. Now, I know Jesus was gentle. But when it came to the hypocrites, Y'all, Jesus threw down. I know Jesus was good and kind and loving and peaceful. And, and, and it was interesting because when somebody was caught in the act of adultery, he showed such kindness and such gentleness. But when a hypocrite came by, he said, you're a viper. Now, I want you to think about what he called them. I want you to think. He wasn't just throwing, he wasn't, he wasn't just throwing out insults. He wasn't thinking, you're, you know, pick the worst animal you can imagine. Yeah, that's what you are. No, no, no. You're like, you're, you're like the serpent in the garden is what he was telling them. I know this spirit. You, all of you, you're a generation of vipers. Hypocrites. 
I mean, he, was, he went after them. His, his, most, his most hostile confrontation of a thing was not when he overthrew the, the tables in the temple. That, that, was, that was a very hostile confrontation when he walked into the temple and threw over the, the tables and took a whip and started chasing money changers out of the temple. Yeah, Jesus... Jesus was gentle, but he, he showed that day that he had, a, he had the ability to clean house when it, when it needed to be done. But folks, when he dealt with the Pharisees, for instance, he dealt with the Pharisees with a verbal whip that so scolded them, it was a hostile confrontation. I'm going to tell you something. Everybody... Put your, put your big boy britches on because it's going to be hard to read this. But we're going to read Matthew 23 a little bit. Just get into this. Because he deals, he deals with, with this, this matter of, of hypocrisy. Listen to what he says, Matthew 23 Verse 1, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they, here it is, here it is, say and do not. Hypocrisy. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. That is, a, that, that, is a, that is an indicator of what hypocrisy is. If the works you do, you're doing for to be seen of men in doing them, that is hypocrisy. They make broad their phylacteries, enlarge the borders of their garments. He's talking about flamboyance, extravagance. They love the uppermost rooms at feasts. The chief seats in the synagogues, they love attention. They love praise, accolades, and greetings in the markets. Uh-oh. And to be called rabbi. Rabbi. I mean, he's just breaking it down. He said they like to go into the marketplace and somebody to say, I'm just going to tell you, now he's, he's hitting me now. They like to come in the marketplace and somebody say, hey, Rev. like to be known for their great whatever that is they like to be called rabbi rabbi greetings in the marketplace but be not ye called rabbi for one is your master even christ and all you are brethren and call no man your father upon the earth for one is your father which is in heaven Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he, oh God, help us to live up to your word. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Oh, hallelujah. I, I just have to stop here for one moment and say, Jesus said, he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Let me tell you something about God. His majesty is his servanthood. I know. See, see, he gets into that room with the disciples, and they're all trying to see who's going who's gonna to wash each other's feet. And Well, I'm not washing their feet. I, I, I'm, not the, I'm not the last guy on the totem pole here. Uh, uh, here, let's, whoever was chosen last to be the disciple, let them come wash all our feet, and we'll just do it in order like that. And, and Jesus said, give me the towel. 
And he starts washing their feet. And Peter was like, no, 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 I, I, no, 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 I'll wash your feet. And Jesus said, no, if you don't let me wash your feet, you cannot have part with me. He said, well, then wash, wash everything. And Jesus said, no, your feet will be fine. <laughs> Feet's perfectly fine. <laughs> I'm just trying to teach you something here, Peter. Wash, I'll wash your feet. He said, just give me that towel and, and, I, will, and I will show you See, his majesty was a servant. This is really how we look at Jesus. We say, well, Jesus was a servant for three and a half years. He served everybody. I mean, he just, he, he, he was coming to Zacchaeus' house, and he, was, he would kneel down and, and be with the beggar, and he would, he would talk to the man sick of the palsy, and, and he received sinners and ate with them, and he loved people who were without. And that's, for three and a half years, he showed us how to be servant. But bless God, when he died, buried, and rose from the dead, ascended to the majesty on high, and now. He's the king of all kings and he doesn't ever have to be a servant again. You missed the point. The majesty on high to which he ascended is servanthood. If you don't want to be a servant down here, then don't expect to be a king and priest over there because the kingdom and priesthood is all about serving. Oh, hallelujah. So, so God is still, even right now, serving. Jesus the Christ, who is alive even forevermore, is right now serving. That's his majesty. That's his glory. That's his kingship. And if you don't believe me, call his name. Call it. Just say, Jesus. And he shows up. Because he's still a servant. He's still here to save and deliver. Hallelujah. What do you need? You need me to give you peace? Here's peace. What do you need? You need me to give you joy? Here's joy. And you're trying to inch your way up past somebody on whatever ladder. You don't need to be on that ladder if it requires you hurting others to climb it. Get on Jacob's ladder. Surely the presence of the Lord is in that place. Angels ascend and descend on that ladder. And the more you serve, the higher you'll climb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Servanthood is leadership. It is leadership. And the, the Bible says that we are no more called servants but sons. And, and, and the reason it does it, it it's not... It's not turning servanthood into a negative. He's saying we are sons. And then he says a son differs and servant. They differ not from one another. The only difference between a servant and a son is that the servant gets a wage and a son receives an inheritance. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. And so that's what we are. We are servants who become sons unto the Lord. And, and, and he gives unto us. So he said... He that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, and then hypocrites, exclamation point, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, and that's a big word, pretense, pretense, it means pretend. You break it down etymologically, and it, it, it's actually when a person is acting. It, it has to do with pretending, you know, tendency. So, so it's when you calculate, okay, when they say this, I'm going to act surprised. 
when they do that, I'm going to act like it bothers me. Or I'm going to act like I'm okay with it. Well, it's being hypocritical. It's pretending. It's, it's deciding beforehand how you're going to react to a certain thing. And our world is filled with pretense, filled with hypocrisy. Washington, D.C. is a den of hypocrisy. Hollywood makes multiplied millions of dollars based on the idea of pretending. It is complete hypocrisy. And, 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 they're, and they're sinners, so, so we have to understand they need salvation. And this is what sin leads people into doing is, is hypocritical living. Living in pretense. And so he said, he said that you, are, you devour widows' houses. You, for a pretense, make long prayer. Therefore, are you ready for this? you shall receive the greater damnation. There are levels of damnation. Jesus said that the hypocrites will receive the greater of the damnation. He said, woe in verse 13, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer you them that are entering to go in. Verse 15, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. And that's the truth. Somebody who comes up under a hypocrite becomes double the hypocrite they were. Woe unto you, you blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You fools and blind. For whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. He calls them fools and blind. Again, woe unto you. Verse 23, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. I'm telling you, he was rough. He was rough on that day. I mean, he was preaching. Getting up getting up in their face. This is my gentle Savior. But he knew he was dealing with the viper. He knew he was dealing with the serpent in the garden, this generation of vipers. And he said, no, no, woe unto you. And you know, thank God that he says woe. And when God says woe, you're like, whoa. Or at least you better be. I remember one time I was listening to a man preach and he was preaching against the Pharisees and he was talking about all the Pharisees' sins and hypocrisies. And, uh, and while he was doing it, I thought, boy, that's some good preaching. And then he got five minutes into it and, man, he was tearing those scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites up like Jesus was doing. He was preaching like Jesus. Just tearing Pharisees up, scribes and hypocrites. It's the spirit, the spirit of the hypocrite. And about five more minutes in, he was still doing it. And about five more minutes in, he was still doing it. And I started feeling like some of you are feeling right now. Kind of like, all right, move on. You've been on this a little while. How about you preach against some real sin for a little while? That was my thought. I thought, what about, what about the real sin out there? Come on. I want to hear some red meat preaching against real sin. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, wait a minute. Why am I so disturbed by this preaching against hypocrisy of the Pharisees when it's exactly what Jesus preached against. 
And the Lord just kind of, you know, the Lord, he speaks very openly and honest with me. And he just kind of came down and whispered in my ear, because you're a Pharisee. <laughs> and it dawned on me, oh my goodness, there's stuff in me that needs to come out. There's stuff in me I need to lay down on the altar. And, 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 and it's pricking my heart. That's why I don't like this preaching. It's pricking my heart. He's, he's exposing some things to me about me. Folks, I'm going to tell you, when God starts doing that with his word, let him have his way. He is cleaning the cancer out of your spirit. He is like a surgeon that will anesthetize you with the, with the spirit of God. The spirit goes before the word of God as the divine anesthesia. He puts you into a deep sleep and then he begins to work upon the inner man. And he'll pull out deadly carcinogenic tumors that are, that are raging through your spirit. He'll pull that out of you and give you healing for your soul. Oh, hallelujah. And he'll, listen, he'll do things in your life that you could never imagine that he could do. You know, he did that. One of the, the very, very first surgery ever recorded was when God caused a deep anesthetic sleep to come upon Adam. And Adam went to bed, a single man, and woke up a married man. <laughs> hallelujah. The Bible said the Lord caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. And when he woke up, God had performed a miracle in his life. And I'm telling you, if you'll let the Lord work on you, he'll perform miracles in your life. Let the Spirit of the Lord come upon you. And let the Word of God operate on you. And he will create in you a total transparency and pull all of that hypocrisy out of your spirit. Oh, oh he'll do it. He'll get the scar tissue too. I, I said he'll get the scar tissue too. Because you still got scar tissue from wounds in your past. And while he's got you opened up, he'll clean that out. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. He will get down inside of your spirit and he'll clean out the scar tissue that was left in you by past wounds, past injuries, past surgeries. And he'll clean it all out. And he'll make you into a new man, into a new woman. So, so we want that hypocrisy uh, to leave us. We could go on, but he continues to just lay waste, if you please, to the, to the uh, pharisaical hypocrisy. That hypocrisy that is so quick to judge others but not deal with the situation they have going on in their own spirit. You know, let me real quick, I'm, I'm going to go to Luke, but before we do, I want to turn your attention to Matthew. Because I want to I deal with, with uh, Matthew 7. And one, judge not that you be not judged. You know why you don't want to judge? You want to know why you're not, you don't want to judge? And I know, I know, I know. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. You need to practice righteous judgment. I'm not saying, I am not saying you need to be cool with everything. I think you know me better than that. To know, I am not saying you need to be good with everything, cool with everything. You don't. You need to practice spiritual judgment. But be careful when you judge. Because if you judge, that same judgment is going to come back on you. So when he said, judge not that you be not judged, what he's saying is, before you judge, get ready. Because whatever you're judging, you need to be able to stand up under that same microscope. So he said, judge not. Why? That you be not judged. Because if you're going to send that boomerang out, 
get ready. And if you can catch it, great. But if you can't, it's going to knock your head off. So before you start spitting out a bunch of criticisms of other people, okay? Now follow me on this. You be careful because it's going to come back to you. And what I have found is that if your heart is pure and your spirit is pure and you sincerely do not have in you what another person has in them, you're not quick to criticize them. You're not throwing boomerangs laced with nails and barbed wire and razors. and You're not doing that because, because and this is why. For with what judgment, in verse 2 of Matthew 7, you, shall, you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, which is like a small speck, but considereth, considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? So, so you look at your brother, and they've got like a little wood splinter in their eye, and you come walking up with a two-by-four hanging out of your eye. Here, move. Let me get this. You got something in your eye, and you're trying to get, and you can, you're, you're two by fours knocking them in the head and pushing them over and hitting other people, and you're, you're completely unqualified to deal with the wood splinter they have in their eye because you've got a beam in yours. So, so he said, he said, or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Notice what he calls them. Thou hypocrite. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. Get to an altar, get to an altar, pray, seek God, seek his face. Something happened not long ago, and I saw, I saw a clear, a clear overreach, overstep, something that really bothered me and disturbed me, and I, I saw it very clearly and, and would have been happy to just go, Take care of the moat in my brother's eye. But, but, but I realized, uh-oh, wait a minute. If I see it in their eye, then, then I need to check my own heart, my own self, my own spirit. Get myself in order because I'm not going to reach out in judgment of somebody until I'm ready to stand up under that judgment myself. And so, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. And when you cast out the beam out of your own eye, listen to what happens then. Then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. You really can help your brother with the moat in his eye, but not with a beam in yours. So, so it's not that we're ignoring the splinters in other people's eyes and the wood chips in other people's eyes. It's not that we're ignoring where somebody needs help. We're just making sure we're in a position to actually help them. Oh, God, help us. And if we try to reach out in judgment of somebody, then we end up, we end up failing because we cannot stand up under the judgment that we have meted out to them. So, so that's, that's, it's important to understand that. Luke chapter, chapter uh, 12. I want to look at Luke chapter 12. Notice this. The scripture says in Luke 12 verse 1, in the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, 
insomuch that they trod one upon another. He began to say unto his disciples, first of all, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Folks, you better get yourself right with God. My Jesus. My Jesus. My Jesus. Now, now I, want you, I, want, I, want you tell, I want you to see that again. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. That's what the leaven of the Pharisees is. And the Bible says that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If you get a little bit of hypocrisy in you, I'm going to cover this up here and cover that up there. And you get a little bit of that in you, it will end up taking over your whole life and your whole walk with God. You know why? You know what? If you, if you didn't have hypocrisy, you wouldn't have to lie. If you didn't have hypocrisy, you wouldn't have to lie. The reason that we end up lying is because we're covering something up that should not be there. But when we don't have hypocrisy, we come to God. Instead of lying, we come to God and we say, Lord, this is who I am. This is what I'm dealing with. This is my challenge. This is my struggle. This is my, my problem. I give it to you in the name of Jesus. And the Lord begins to baptize you with a beautiful grace. He begins to touch you with a beautiful spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to read to you some more scriptures real quick. Luke chapter 11, verse 34. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when the light when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, leaving no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. And as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him, and he went in and sat down to meet. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. And the Lord said unto him, now do you, and here's, and here's another indicator of whether or not you have hypocrisy in you. Now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. You fools did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also. But rather give alms of such things as you have. Behold, all things are clean unto you. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manners of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for you love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you, listen to this, as graves which appear not. And the men that walk over them are not aware of them. He said, you're like a hidden sepulcher. You're like, when there's hypocrisy in you, you're like a hidden grave. And people are just accepting you for what you say you are. And they come walking into your world. And he said, you're like, you're like a grave that has a rug over it. You're like the three stooges come walking up upon or wily coyote setting up a trap for Roadrunner. And the old carpet over the hole trick. 
putting a rug over the grave. He said, that's what you're like. He said, you're like a, a grave that is covered up. And when men walk over them, they're not aware of them. Then answered one of the lawyers. Now, y'all have to pardon me. This is just funny to me. So he's talking to the scribes and Pharisees, and he's just tearing. He's just, folks, I mean, he is, he is preaching to the scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he's preaching to them about what hypocrisy is. And then the scripture says, one of the lawyers decided, well, I'll fix this. And one of the lawyers said unto him, Master, thus saying, thou reproachest us also. And he said, woe unto you also, you lawyers. <laughs> it just cracks me up. He said, oh, you want some of this? <laughs> woe unto you too. He said, for you laid men with burdens grievous to be borne, and you yourselves touch not the burden with one of your fingers. Woe unto you, for you built the sepulchers of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. You've got this ornate sepulcher dedicated to the prophet, and it was your fathers and your spirit that, that actually are the reason they're in that sepulcher. And so... He went on to say to them that, verse 52, Woe unto you lawyers, you have taken away the key of knowledge. You entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, you hindered. This is what hypocrisy does. And I, I read this to you because I want you to get the, the full sense of the severe anger Jesus has toward hypocrisy. It's not a gain to him. It might be a game to the hypocrite. It might be a game to the one who's got people fooled, who's got people snowed, who's pulled the wool over people's eyes. It's not a game to God, and God knows your heart. You haven't pulled the wool over his eyes. Amen. Uh, you know what? I'm going to preach a really fun message on Sunday just to make up for all this heaviness. Amen. I'm going to have to do it, but... But, but, but you hear what I'm telling you. Because we see what happens is, is we get into the habit of thinking that these sins are bad. And, but these sins, mm, as long as nobody knows about them. What? Who, who do you think doesn't know about them? You, you think because I don't know about them? You think because the brother down the road doesn't know about them? Or the sister behind you doesn't know about them? Do you not understand that God knows? I mean, when we confess to him a sin, we're not making him aware. You know, it's not like, you know, people are like, I just don't even want to confess it to God. Are you, really? Why? He already knows. It's not like you're going to go to him and say, God, this is what I've done. And God's going to go, no. No, you're not taking God by surprise. He's waiting for you to confess it because there's power in confession. It, it releases God's mercy to intervene in your life. He already knows what you've done. So, so, so don't hide it. And don't revel in it. The transparency doesn't have to do with reveling in sin. That's not what transparency is. You can be transparent and set a good example all at the same time. Open yourself up to the Word of God. Let the Word of God minister deeply into your spirit. Speak to your soul. Hallelujah. And deal with the inner man. Oh, hallelujah. And, and... And, and bring to you the, the greatness of, of God. And so, so it's important that we understand.
that God has an issue with the hypocrisy in our lives. And hypocrisy can lead us to do strange things. Luke chapter 13, and I'm coming to a close. Luke chapter 13 deals with a woman who had a spirit of infirmity on her for 18 years. 18 years. And the Bible says that she was bent over. I heard Brother J.T. Pugh talk about her and said that her spirit was as a crooked hairpin and her body grew around it. She was bent over and she had, for 18 years she was struggling with a spirit of infirmity. And it, was, and it was on the Sabbath day and Jesus was in the synagogue and he decided this is her day. I'm going to heal her on this day. And so he just healed her right there on the Sabbath day. And and the rulers of the synagogue got so angry with him. Because they said, on the Sabbath day, we're not supposed to do nothing. And I don't care if she's been sick for 18 years. This isn't the day that she should be healed. See, hypocrisy will take you to a, play, a dark place of, of actually total callousness toward people. And unconcern, a lack of concern, a lack of care for what God wants to do in their life. And you will become beholden to these things that you think give you greater superiority to people. And, and they don't. They don't. Let Jesus do what he's doing in a person's life. And so Jesus took the opportunity and said, thou hypocrite. You viper. He said, which one of you, have, if you had an ox... Or a donkey to fall into the ditch on the Sabbath. Which one of you wouldn't help that ox up out of the ditch? Of course you would because it serves you. But he said, what about this woman who, who needs a healing touch and she needs it right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, the hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all, listen to this, I love this, all his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I'm going to tell you, if you'll let Jesus speak against the hypocrisy in your life, all of your adversaries will be ashamed and the people will rejoice for the glorious things that the Lord will do in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And one final thing as we're, as we're closing out tonight. One final thing. I love the language. Wisdom hath hewn out. And I want to finalize this lesson with this understanding. Hath hewn out her seven pillars. See, there was another scripture where the Bible speaks of being hewn out. And the Bible says that in the vision of Nebuchadnezzar, that there was a, a rock that was hewn out of the mountain without hands. And that rock came down and knocked over the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, the golden head down to the clay feet. And that rock took the place of that magnificent statue of gold to clay and, and Nebuchadnezzar didn't understand. But when Daniel interpreted it, we, under, we understand that the governments of man will be replaced by the government of Jesus Christ. So when wisdom hews out her seven pillars, this is, this is the government of a human being. This is what truly governs the body, soul, and spirit of a person. The wisdom of God.
This is why the free, see, we've lived in freedom for so long, we don't even understand what it means not to have freedom. But we live in the United States of America, and in its purest context, America derives its freedom from its foundation of Christian thought. And America has done a poor job in many ways of, ab- of actually practicing that Christian understanding. But, but where freedom is derived is the governance of God in our lives. I don't, need a, I don't need an earthly king to rule over me if I will let the wisdom of God rule in my life. That's what gives me freedom. That's what gives me liberty. Listen, when, when, when the true nature of Jesus Christ gets inside of you, you won't, need, you won't need one law to tell you how to treat your neighbor. You won't need one rule or restriction to tell you to be nice. You won't, need to, you won't need any kind of a regulation. You will walk in the perfect law of liberty because you are governed by the wisdom of God. That is the government that replaces man's government. That's why Paul said the law is for the manslayer. It's for the person who's not practicing wisdom. It's for the person who's not living in Jesus Christ. But, but, but you don't become lawless when you live for Jesus Christ. You become subject to the high royal law of loving your neighbor, the perfect law of liberty. And I wish I could preach longer, but I'm going to close it out right now. But I feel like the Holy Ghost is in this place. And I feel like the wisdom of God needs to get a hold of somebody. Could we just lift up our hands in the name of Jesus and say, Lord... Have your way, have your way, have your way in my home. Let wisdom take control of my thoughts. Let wisdom guide my, hallelujah, let wisdom guide my steps. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. If wisdom would guide your steps and order your steps, you won't venture into trouble. You won't venture into lawlessness. You won't venture into transgressions of the law. You won't venture into the violations of the commandments of God. If wisdom can get a hold of your heart, it'll make things pure and peaceable and gentle and full of mercy and good fruits and easy to be entreated without partiality, without hypocrisy. And you can stand under anybody's microscope and say, yes, 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 I have a long way to go to be like my Lord. But he knows my heart and he knows my thoughts and I want to be like him in the name of Jesus. I'm going to let the Spirit of God lead me and guide me. Glory to God. Can we lift up our hands unto the Lord right now and stand to our feet? Hallelujah. Come on, let's do it right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. How many want to be more like the Lord? Do you want to be more like the Lord? Come on, do you want to be like the Lord? We used to say to be like Jesus. We used to say to be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like him. All through life's journey from earth to glory, I only ask to be like him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Is that still your desire? Is that still your heart's cry? To be like Jesus? Or do you want to be like somebody who has a lot of money? Or would you rather be like somebody who has a lot of fame? Or would you rather be like somebody who who has made it according to earthly standards? It's a serious question. Who do you want to be like? If you want to be like Jesus, I want us to take a few moments here and pray and say, God, help my priorities. Help my priorities to shift. 
Let my spirit come into alignment with you. I'm going to tell you, God's going to turn, God's going to baptize you with such a beautiful Holy Ghost and fire. You're going to become a better husband. You're going to become a better brother. You're going to become a better sister, a better wife. You're going to become a better Christian. You're going to become a better co-worker. Hallelujah. Your employer is going to see a difference in you. Your employees are going to see a difference in you. You hear what I'm telling you? Come on, let the Spirit of the Lord move in this house right now. Let the Spirit of the Lord move in this house right now. He's going to come down inside of you, take that hypocrisy in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody here that can be honest with me right now and say, there's something in me that needs to come out in the name of Jesus? I'll be the first one to say it. There's stuff in me, Lord. Even if I don't see it, I pray that you'll take out of me everything that's not like you. David said, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Take the hypocrisy out of me so I can be pure and clean and transparent before you. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, saints of God, let's worship the Lord right now. Let's worship the Lord right now. Come on, let's worship the Lord right now. Come on, as we sing, let's just take a few minutes here and just get a hold of God right now. In the name of Jesus, the Word has gone forth, and there's a cleansing agent within the Word of God. There's a cleansing agent within the Word of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Purify me, cleanse and make me new. Want to be holy, Lord, holy like you. Come on, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I want to be holy, holy like you, Lord. I want to be holy, holy like you, Holy Spirit. Purify me, cleanse and make me new. I want to be holy, holy like you. I want to be holy. 